welcome to the third episode of All About Reality. The NFL has provided us lots of good news and good things to talk about. Reality Sports Online has given us a few innovations that we're going to address tonight. And we have a quick hitter for everybody tonight where we're going to focus on franchise tags, the new fifth year extension feature, address some NFL news, and then turn to Twitter. Uh, be responsive to a couple questions that could come to us. So what are you thinking about that? Sounds great. I really appreciate all the, all the love we're getting, the favorites and the downloads of the podcast. Our numbers are great. And um, keep the questions coming. We're going to pivot after this episode to really focus on the NFL draft and especially rookies. And we have a couple of wonderful guests lined up down the line in the next week or two. And um, wall-to-wall draft coverage, kind of like a shark week of draft coverage spread over the next few weeks after this one. Yes, sir. Uh, I love Reality Sports Online. As you know, when you came to me with this idea, I did not think it would take off this quickly and we'd be getting to speak to guests of this calendar. I'm super hyped that we are going to be talking to some of these guys in person, picking their brains for the general managers of RSO um, and our listeners. And we, you and I, will be responsive to all of them and continue to be responsive to them on Twitter. I can be found at FantasyDocOc, that's Fantasy D-O-C-O-C, and where can I find you? Matt Goody, too. All right. Sounds good, man. So let's talk uh, the franchise tag situation, first of all. Uh, mm -hmm. We scraped the data from the leagues, and the initial returns on people who are tagging people this offseason have produced some interesting names, uh, and some names that you would expect. I'll turn to, uh, I'll turn to a, first, uh, a first big name that you would pro probably anticipate, Rob Gronkowski in the franchise tag scene. We'll talk tight ends real quickly because they tend to be a better value than the other people on a franchise tag. If you're talking to me about Rob Gronkowski, what's the range that you're comfortable franchising him? Yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit of strategy here. Um, I, I really think the franchise tag is av advantageous at the tight end position, like you mentioned. And the, the question really with a franchise tag is why are you using this tool as opposed to maybe a multi-year extension, which just came out last year that leagues could vote on? or a fifth-year extension on the rookies, um, which we'll get into, and probably subject to league vote. In, in particular, the, the type of players that I'm extending, and I'm curious about your thoughts as soon as I finish, is uh, are players that basically you want one-year or two-year options on. So players that may have an injury history, players that may not be play, you know, playing in the NFL that much longer if they're – Coach keeps needling them uh, about the use of a Tom Brady's trainer, th those types of things. So I, I think with Gronk's lengthy in injury history and his awesome performance when he's healthy, you, you kind of want the optionality as opposed to being locked into a long-term deal with him if, if the money is right. And at the tight end position where you're taking the franchise tag being the top five, either the higher of 120% of their previous year's salary or – the top five positional average in, across your league, then the, the tight end number can be kind of advantageous. Precisely. And that's really well said. I'm glad that you raised the 120% of the previous year salary as an option. To be clear, with Rob Gronkowski, there is no way that you're going to land a positional average of the top five players, right? Gronkowski already busted that cap. He in, undoubtedly in any substantive league is going to be the highest paid tight end already so he's going to be at the high end of that the problem is he's not going to manage that that um 
top five salary, I would imagine it's always going to be the 120% figure would be my guess. Right. Yeah, I think so. Just something that we talked to Kyle about last night, just so everyone knows there is RSO has added a third year extension feature. Uh, I can't see myself using it. Um, basically it's a 44% escalator similar to the NFL, which is probably why Kirk cousins in real life didn't get the tag for a third straight year by the Redskins. And that was on, onto your Vikings. So for that, yes, indeed. My love is drinking from Vikings cup. Even as we speak, Yes. Uh, that's not a metaphor. That's an actual literal thing that's happening in my life. This right is now. true. I, I did see it. Let's talk Gronk for a little bit. So far this offseason, Kyle's provided us some data, our wonderful CTO, Kyle. Um, and we've sliced and diced and synthesized and analyzed it. And um, right now we've had, in the to date in the offseason leagues, we've had 15 people lock their franchise tag. And when I say lock, there's some key elements to that. That means they've finalized their tag and all the players sweep off their roster um, back into the player pool who, who they don't use their tag on. Uh, and that that average is 14 – of those 15 people, 14.3 million average franchise tag. Um, Gronk, I would assume, would bust that, like you said. I, I'd be looking – at this point, depending on your leagues, if you if you're a pretty good team and, and and Gronk is kind of still on your roster and you're top three in your league, I have no problem paying 25, 27 million for him on a one year option if if you have the space to do it. Yeah, and you're gonna have to have the space to do it. He's when you make a commitment to Gronk, you're paying him as you would a high end wide receiver, and you're doing it for the positional advantage. And I don't think that the RSO format's altogether too different than other other formats in whether they be redraft or dynasty, right? When you're buying Rob Gronkowski, you were doing it because of the separation from the other men at the position. And now he does have a little a little competition at, at the yeah. tight end position. I don't know if that separation and that tier is as singular as it once was. Yeah, I, I mean, I, for for me, I still think it does if you value if you value that position, I mean, the way I, I, I kind of like to view Gronk a little bit differently and I've had him in the past and, you know, at advantageous contracts. And, and for me, it's really about touchdowns and how many, how many players in the NFL and stars can you kind of pencil in for a touchdown a week? You know, most weeks, you know, sure there's anomalies, sure there's things that don't happen, but I think Gronk is very similar to a, an elite running back in that perspective. And that's that's nice to have if you're paying for it in an auction format versus using draft capital that snakes basically. So I don't know that the positional average is is so much gives you so much of an advantage in an RSO league compared to you know you have a leg up on the tight end position maybe you're deficient in receiver but if you budget smartly and you have all your pieces and you have a combination of expensive and cheap assets Gronk, Gronk is a guy that is is going to produce for you as long as he's healthy yeah listen last season he had 18 catches of over or pardon me 18 catches of over 20 yards he still produced big plays which we don't typically think of when we think of rob gronkowski again most people most smart players like you would appeal to his touchdown upside and i tend to think that he he rolls into the next season with that um despite partying with Shaq, despite being upset about his trainer despite his potential stardom in the WWE, uh, I don't think we can evaluate any of those things substantively or, or treat those <laughs> like they're a possibility. I think he's either playing for the Patriots 
or he gets shipped out in a draft day deal, I'm going to call <laughs> it to the to the 49ers. So I think it's 49ers, Patriots, or bust. I would be shocked if he doesn't play anywhere else. So, um, okay. And would you be upset if he was on the 49ers? I think he'd be a strong fantasy asset on the 49ers, but there's another tight end that I'm excited about that I think that has actually the most tags this offseason. You want to talk about him for a little bit? Absolutely. So start us off with this. You do love this guy, so I want to hear your take on him first. Um, well, it's Zach Ertz. Um, he's got he's got four extensions, average value eleven point two million on a one year deal. I, that that could be a precursor to a franchise and extend type deal. I think um, Stephen Wendell's considering that one of the leagues that I'm in with him. Um, looking at at that franchise and extend, just kind of taking advantage of the low price of of tight ends across leagues, whereas running backs and receivers could be could be inflated. I I, I, I like Earth's capabilities still, his, his touchdown ability, and just the fact that he's, you know, he he's he's seeing a lot of volume in that passing game. I don't disagree with anything that you said. I do question the use of the tag and extend to me that has to be such an exceptional circumstance where you you where you blow both your tools on one option right like if you're at that point it feels like you're just chiseling away at forming your fantasy team and you're you're devoting too much of your time on a particular feature right and and in this case that feature is a really excellent tight end but i probably would preserve my franchise tag for say uh, a running back that I know that I want, as you discussed, the option year to year whether or not to jettison that contract or to keep going with a running back because we we all tend to prefer them on shorter contracts. Yeah, no, that 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 makes sense too. I think that I'm just kind of presenting our our users all the options in that case, and I I, I understand whereas a, a person like Gronk at the tight end position is an elite level talent, you'd have to make more arguments for earth. So I, I understand that. But again, I, I'm right there with you. And if I had the option to franchise tag Zach Ertz at $11 million, or when we start comparing what those tag numbers are going to get look like in the other positions, it seems like you're absolutely as an advantage at an advantage as an RSO GM to, to apply the tag to an elite talent at the position like Zach Ertz. Yeah, I, I think so. But I, I think something that you that you're kind of a proponent of too is if you're not going after that elite level tight end. I think we talked about it on the extensions um, podcast number two as well. That there's there's some guys that you can kind of cherry pick that you think have some upside or looking for a good year. I mean Hunter Henry maybe is a guy like that. Maybe Trey Burton on the Bears. So. The, Jack Doyle or even Eric Ebron, like in a two tight ends, you know, set in in Indianapolis. So there, if if you're looking to go cheaper on that and still have some upside, that that could be a play too. Yeah, tight end man, tight end feels to me so much like that game you're playing when you're playing dodgeball as a little kid and you're just sprinting to the middle to pick up the ball because you think you're gonna nail the guy. Like I. And then you find yourself just lost in this nomad, like nomadic, like no man's land, like because you're either sprinting for one of those elite players. If you're not ending up with Gronk or Kelsey or Ertz, can you can you state for me with confidence your number four tight end off the top of your head? 
not with confidence. I mean, it, if someone told me that Antonio Gates was going out to pasture already and he's had an awesome career, one of my favorite players, then I would probably say Hunter Henry. But anything else beyond that, I mean, I love – we've talked about Jordan Reed. I love his talent, but just the injury history scares me, even even on a one-year, because then you're you're using up cap space as a resource that's taking away from something else you can go after. There you did it, my friend. You you got stuck right in the middle and got nailed by a dodgeball. I asked you for one name at number four, and you gave me two, and that's what I mean. Like, there's there's other guys to like at the position, and there's probably a half dozen other guys that could finish tight end two or three. But if you ask me to gamble on somebody at the tight end position, I am super comfortable with the big money gamble on Gronk or this 11 or $12 million gamble on Kelsey and Zach Ertz. And then after that, then you're finding yourself, are you going to pay up like eight, nine million for uh, Jimmy Graham? Are you going to do so for Hunter Henry? I think your Hunter Henry gamble is an apt one and absolutely true, but he's also competing with the hopefully back intact Mike Williams and Keenan Allen and Tyrell Williams. You know, like he's got, he's got some competition for targets there. Yeah, that's true. All right. I think we've spent more time than we cared to on the tight end position. Like ever. Yes. Yeah, probably. Yeah. So, um, what, what position do you want to pivot to? How about quarterback? Yeah, let's talk quarterback. Uh, any quarterback numbers stand out to you? I mean, there's, I, I know the man that you love, the man, the myth, the legend on the West coast. Let's start with him. Jimmy GQ was tagged yeah. a whole, a whole number of times. It's not a surprise, right? He's coming in. The reason why he's being tagged is because probably most people didn't have him on long-term contract. We didn't have him as an independent operator. He was, <laughs> warming the bench for the other handsome quarterback in the league at this point. So mm -hmm. this time last year. So, yeah. Yeah. So I'm looking at his average. We're talking 18 million, uh, 18.237 million for mm -hmm. his average, uh, franchise number. How do you feel about that one? Yeah, that, that's, that's a tough one because I think that we saw that he, when we talked about extensions, he was one of the more extended players. And that was through both on New England and San Francisco. And that was about, I think, a $3 million a year for three years or so. And that's a contract I love. Um, the market, obviously, this now we're in 2018. The offseason, three people are, are really high on the, on the Jimmy Garoppolo hype train. The big contract he signed, $18.2 I, I I like it. I, I like his talent, and I, I think that he will produce. 18 million is kind of a league dependent situation for me. And, but I, I just want to point out that the Delta between the extension price that we saw last year and this 18 million, don't be surprised if you're going into your auctions and Jimmy, Jimmy Garoppolo is getting that much money in the auction. So like the, this is kind of setting a new market for him in RSO that owners haven't necessarily seen before. And Goody, one thing that we, don't have scraped here. Is there any quarterback that you would pay eighteen million for in a single quarterback league? Yeah, I, th I think I'd pay I'd pay eighteen million for Aaron Rodgers certainly. Okay. Uh, I I mean I, I think I think there's a few. I, I mean I, I tend to try to pick a grab quarterbacks a year early and and kind of have a succession plan in in built in in my in my off seasons. So so especially if they present themselves in an auction where. I already have a quarterback. People are unsuspecting that I'm going to pick another one, and then I'm then I have a bridge plan basically. So I I, I it, it's hard for me because th there are so many people who 
believe in in the late round QB philosophy that one of my mentors actually at Number Fire was my former editor, JJ Zacharyson, wrote a book on it. it it's it's smart strategy. If you can get a quarterback in a one quarterback league and not pay that much for him, a guy that nobody that every year someone leaves in the pool, a Philip Rivers for five million, someone else that is good strategy. The the question is. You know, you're not stream in RSO. You can't stream quarterback. So it's a you know, so that that late round QB thing can only be taken to a point in in a league like RSO. And I, I really think it depends on what your scoring settings are. I mean, I'm in a league where quarterbacks are just worth a ridiculous amount of points. And and when you see someone who throws four interceptions in a week or something, it just destroys you in a fantasy matchup. And that's why I think what we're trying to do here is provide valuable context for our listeners. Um, 18 million does seem a very doable price and reasonable. In fact, I think we'd be emphatically slamming the franchise tag button and like wiping away the rest of our rosters, getting them out of there and jettisoning them in order to save Jimmy GQ in a two quarterback league. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo in a single quarterback league, would not be near my roster at eighteen million dollars. And yeah, because it's of the tough. description you just made, I think, I think the data bears out the wisdom of the the late round quarterback strategy. And eighteen million dollars is netting you some either really high upside plays at running back, um, some some solid wide receiver twos. I mean, you're 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 getting you're losing another player of substance on your roster if you're dropping eighteen million on a quarterback. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I can I can see what you're saying there, but let's talk about Jimmy G's mentor, who has the most franchise tags of any quarterback or anyone for that matter this offseason with five, is is the man, the myth, the legend, Tiggity Tom Brady, um, five five extensions, twenty three point three million, and I, I mean strategically it makes sense. He could be any year he could retire. He's producing in an, in a pass heavy offense. Um, what, what do you do, what do you do with that? So I don't want to say this one is team dependent. Again, I'm going to hold firm to my to my stance that in a two quarterback league, I'm super comfortable with that number in the low twenties. In a single quarterback league, I'm not going to be chasing Tom that way. I think what you're looking at this off season uh, is the end of the era between Belichick. and and Tom Brady working together. I don't think that the, either one of them have like have crested or reached their final moments, but I just don't think that they're going to bounce back from that Super Bowl in a substantive way. And and losing Brandon Cooks is a bigger deal than I think a lot of people think it is. And even with getting Edelman back, like getting Edelman back. But last we saw Edelman, he's a Jordan Matthews. Well, uh, you know, the, the Jordan Matthews piece is hard to argue with. I love Jordan Matthews. He's all right. So that's not a bad call. But I, I, I don't want you to derail me here. I think this man, despite his overwhelming success, at some point runs into the ravages of time have to catch up to Tom Brady, right? Like, like not to borrow from a show, not to give it more hype than it needs, but like Tom doesn't beat time. Like there's, that's not going to happen. As much as I wanted players to, I wanted Adrian Peterson to, like, eventually they lose. Like, it's game over for all, even the best players. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. What about the, what about the running back position? Goody, my man, that's a fine suggestion. Why don't we turn to running back position? Yeah, let's get to it. 
what I see here is in our data the three most popular names that were tagged in this offseason probably should come as no surprise. We have the not very highly vaunted Mark Ingram, the running mate of now the sensation, the rookie sensation Alvin Kamara, ringing in at the highest franchise tag number across several leagues. We have Melvin Gordon, who again probably overperformed expectations, but finds his owners reluctantly tagging him for another year. And then finally, Devontae Freeman, who continues to be the principal running back in the Atlanta backfield. The one that rings in at the lowest of the three is Devontae Freeman at about $23.5 million. Is that a tag you're comfortable putting on him in most leagues? I think I like the tag for Freeman. I, I did trade Freeman away as he was expiring last year for Mike Evans uh, in one league. I, I think the 23.5 is is probably about the value I would pay, maybe a little high, but um, basically with, with a little bit of Tevin Coleman mixed in and Steve Sarkeesian's inexplicable ability to throw the ball to Devontae Freeman. He scores, he finds the end zone. And he did have two concussions last year. So if, if you are going to, if you like the player, but don't want don't want to put a ring on it, I, I think the franchise tag works pretty well for Devontae Freeman. Absolutely. The other thing that it does in a league that's increasingly valuing the running backs, and certainly in a fantasy landscape that started to value them more this year, playing $23.5 million to play keep away from your opposing GMs probably nets you a better situation, especially if he's your second or third running back. All right, Goody, let's turn to the second running back on that list. Let's talk a little Melvin Gordon ringing in at $26 million per year. Your thoughts on the lead charger in that backfield? Uh, we talked about him a lot in the um, extensions piece last week, and I, I don't think I'm paying $26 million to Melvin Gordon. I, I know he has good touchdown volume. He he gets thrown the ball a lot, even though the Chargers did go to Austin Eagler a little bit more last year uh, towards the end of the season until he had a fumble issue. So I I am not paying that for Gordon just because I, I just don't think he has big play ability, home run ability. Uh, and I just think the, the price is a little steep for me. How about for you? Matt, I love Lamp. And by that I mean Forrest Lamp is coming back, solidifying an offensive line that has been problematic for Gordon's entire career. He still managed to produce because of sheer volume. I think I'd drop that tag on him at $26 million per year. Yeah, that, I mean, that's an interesting point about Forrest Lamp. He was, a, I think, what, a second-round pick? Yep. Uh, it's, and the Chargers have historically not had a great offensive line, so that that is something that does make sense, plays in good weather, good de good team defense, uh, a team that's kind of on the come-up. So I, I, can, I can see where you're going with that. It, it would be a pretty tight – it's a really a coin flip for me. Listen, Khalil Mack's not reporting the Kansas City defense this weekend. His opposition looks to be substantially easier than it was last year. I think Mark Ingram could surprise this year. Oh, pardon me, Melvin Gordon could surprise this year. But that does bring us to the, the highest-priced figure on our list, surprisingly. The man, part of that almost mythical backfield last year that produced two number one running backs, Mark Ingram. And he rings in at a whopping average of 28700000 for his price tag. Is that a franchise tag that anybody should be turning to in their league? Not me. 
I, I just I just like increasing use of Kamara. Uh, to me, just you you have a Swiss Army knife, just someone with such a unique skill set um, potential, and, and I think we're going to talk about this in the next segment. Um, we'll see what happens the next day or two on the Cam Meredith offer sheet. I'm very interested in that. Uh, and obviously Michael Thomas ha- has good pass catching volume. So while the saints will emphasize the run, Ingram has a little bit of injury history. There's just other backs that I'm more excited about. Like if you ask me, would I rather spend 26 million on Gordon or 28 million on 28.7 on Ingram? I would go Gordon, even though I don't, necessarily like the player as much because he just has less competition in the backfield. Very good. I'm going to give you one hypothetical and then we're going to get out of, get out of the running back market. But what I want our listeners to do is do themselves a favor, go to their league, go to an opponent's team page that has players that you like, click on the 2018 contract tab and sort by the 2018 contract number. If this, if that number is zeroing out, you can see at the bottom, it's going to sort out their highest tagged players, or pardon me, their highest priced players for the coming season. And then all those numbers that are zeroed out means those players are going back into your player pool. That way, it'll give you some kind of sense of the the kind of player that's going to be there and available for you to bid on. If Mark Ingram is available to you at $28 million, and you look at the player pool, and you realize players like Kenyon Drake, Jarek McKinnon, Dion Lewis are your options that are probably also going to fetch $28 million. Are there any of them that makes you want to retain that $28 million to bid on them? So, well, that's what we got <laughs> for there. And we wanted to give you guys just a quick dive. Like, this one wasn't too deep, but give you some context of the kind of players that are getting tagged this year in RSO. The initial numbers are coming in. The other thing that I have to ask you, Goody... Are these people that are tagging these players just being courteous to the rest of us? Why would you wait till deeper in the offseason to to finalize your tag? That, that's a good question. I mean, I think some people kind of get antsy, and the fact that it's a year-round, that Reality Sports Online is really a year-round league. So I can imagine maybe there's some trades involved with franchise, ta- franchise tag players because why else would you lock that? I mean, there's kind of two reasons to use your tag early as I did with Mike Evans. One is to one is potentially the trade market. Two is if you want to see what that offseason extension offer is for that player, if you have an elite-type player, cornerstone-type guy that you want to start fetching offers on or, or you plan on actually using the franchise and extend um, options. So I, I think, the, for me, those are the two reasons why someone – would do it this early where there is a risk that an injury could happen and arrest could happen, all sorts of circumstances, I, I would say. Which, which brings me to another point, actually. So RSO has implemented a fifth-year extension now for basically for first-round rookie draft picks. And I, I was hoping maybe you could give, give some league advice to a league I'm in. I don't really have that option because I, do, I don't have any first-round picks. But I do have one of my specific leagues, and I think we voted on it collectively as a league to implement this year. So the rookie class of 2015 is eligible for extension at the transition tag, which is the average of the top 10 positional salaries in our league. 
and I was just hoping maybe you could help out. I, I have some players here, and obviously the position is all the same price when I get to it based on who went in the first round. You, you want to take a go at this? Absolutely, and to give our listeners some context, uh, this is going to be kind of a one-way conversation. One of my best friends is the commissioner of our league, and he actually made a really good executive decision for our league that because 2019 picks had already been traded, we are waiting until the 2020 class to implement the fifth-year franchise tag uh, potential. So that means it won't be until our league is in 2025 and all of us are sporting significantly more gray or less hair than we are now that we're going to be able to make some of these decisions. But some of you GMs and some of you commissioners want to hop right into this potential option of giving the extension, the fifth-year extension, to your first-round rookie picks. Goody, with that context in mind... Uh, why don't you do, why don't you dive in and we'll we'll do what we can we'll sort this out. Sure, I, I was talking about Marcus Mariota in our league, thirteen point three three million dollars. I know you kind of like the player. What would you do if you were if you had a potential fifth year option on Marcus Mariota? I I think in a Q, two QB league we already know the answer, but what would you do in a one QB league? So Mariota's wonderful. I think he's. Uh, top 10 quarterback this year, which is, I hate just dropping top 10s without context, without doing the list out loud, but I, I have him in my top 10. I think the Titans are a big step forward this year. I love what another year with Corey Davis can do for him, what a really good and really underappreciated receiver in Rashard Matthews can do. Um, and now some twin Titans out of the backfield and Derrick Henry and Deion Lewis. Uh, I think I'd go ahead and do that if I was a contender and if looking around the QB landscape, I didn't see anything else that I liked. Having said that, if there's guys dangling out there like a disaffected Matt Ryan owner or if there's guys dangling out there like people that just don't want to roster Ben Roethlisberger again because he's rough as a human being and rough to own on the road as a fantasy quarterback, then, then sure, maybe I'm taking a swing at those guys at a lower price. Okay, now here's where I'm going to throw the curveball. So in in that particular league I'm in, the Mariota owner traded for him last year when Aaron Rodgers got hurt. They have Mar Aaron Rodgers for three more years at a pretty sizable contract. So if if you're those if you're those guys, and mind you, they have other first round players to decide about on the on an ex, on a one year extension um, that that we're going to talk about. Would you would you consider using that tag on Mariota just to try to trade him? I'll tell you my priority. One, tag a running back. Two, tag a wide receiver. Three, tag and trade a quarterback in that scenario that you've laid out. Well, we're not talking about the franchise tag here, though. We're talking about this fifth-year extension tab, which is only available to teams who have first-rounders who come up in that cycle. Exactly. So, like the so these guys contextually, they also have they're they're also they also have an expiring Jameis Winston contract, which is like one and a half million from a second round rookie deal. So they're pretty they're pretty they have depth and breadth at the quarterback position, and they have they have a good amount of cap space this offseason to do things with because they they have guys like Ezekiel Elliott and um and Christian McCaffrey. I mean they do have uh a decision to make on DeAndre Hopkins this off season, which could cost a lot of money. But um, yeah, so you, you would, you're talking about 
Mariota as a tag and trade, uh, an extend and trade option. But some, here's some of the other guys they have, actually. So let's talk about the running back position. There's four running back, five running backs, sorry, that are potentially extendable. One, one is Todd Gurley. Um, next is Melvin Gordon, who this team who has Mariota has. Another is TJ Yeldon, um, Amir Abdullah, and Ty Montgomery. And that fifth-year extension tag is 18.2. So I, I'm guessing Gurley is a no-brainer for you. Yeah, I, I see two no-brainers there, Gurley and Gordon. Uh, and Gordon over Mariota at 13 by a mile, in my mind. Okay, so, so that helps because that team has both those guys. And then the other guys, like Ty Montgomery, even though he's had some productivity, it's crowded backfield is your sentiment, basically. Yeah, that that Packer backfield, You, if you can chase Mary, uh, Montgomery, uh, well, let's be honest, you can throw Montgomery back in the free agent pool and get him for far less than $18 million at this point. So that's got to be the move there. Pivoting, we have, we have five receivers um, who have that fifth-year fifth option who went in the first round of that rookie draft. And I'm guessing you're going to be excited about one of them and the others you're probably going to pass on. But Amari Cooper, Nelson Aguilar, Kevin White, Devin Funches. Um, by the way, I'd love to see someone's fantasy team named Honey Funches. I just think that would be a sweet fantasy name for a team. I, and um, Devontae Parker. All going for $25.73 million. We talked about Cooper last week, and I know you're very high on him, and the the vein of the offense comment by Gruden probably has got you excited. Are you, are you paying $25.73 million on a one-year for, for Cooper, or are you hoping to basically lock him up via multi-year early in the season? Yeah, you anticipated exactly my thought on that one, right? If you send him back to the, the free agent pool, his name is still big enough that I wonder if you could lock him up for four years at that exact same cost or even less. Um, and I think you that's where you just got to, I mean, you know your guys in your league. You know what they're writing, what they're thinking. Um, and you know how many of them, the extent of their football knowledge comes from John Gruden talking about this guy being great, mm -hmm. right? Like, And if that's the case, they're, they're going to go after Cooper and suddenly make that, 25 million look like a bargain you were the one that enlightened me to the life cycle of a league in which people were dropping about 40 percent of their budget out of 170 or pardon me 168 million dollar cap on antonio brown i love that player i don't think there's a contest that he's the best producer in fantasy over the last three years at the wide receiver position but you were saying that that was literally the only thing that one man in your league was going to spend money on that year that's if that kind of cash gets thrown around and you have ki that kind of owner of conviction in your league, you have to be aware that that's coming at you. Yeah, no, I definitely. But one thing I want to point in, point out is though that you may have misspoke a little bit. Like Cooper would not necessarily be a free agent this year. He's expiring after this season. So you have the you have the op the fifth year option is basically covering them for another year. So the multi so they wouldn't be going into free agency in the 2018 auction, it would be 19 at the earliest. So you could lock that, you could lock Cooper up in week four of the season, potentially if that number's right for on a multi-year deal, as opposed to taking this fifth year bridge and then figuring out what to do. No, that's well said. And I, and I don't want to mislead people. You're right. I think you're right. 
considering it as half of a four-year deal is probably a much better game theory way of looking at it. And so with that, with that augmentation of, of my perspective, you're right. I think I would opt in on Amari Cooper. Okay. Yeah. And then, so this team had, has Mariota, Gordon and Devin Funchess and, and I'm not paying $26 million for Devin Funchess. I know you said receiver. I think that's elite receiver. So if they had, so you're saying, so if they basically had Cooper, Gurley, and Gurley or Gordon and Mariota, you would basically go the route, I assume, because of who the player is. Gurley would be your first choice, Cooper would be your second, and Mariota would be your third. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And any given, I, I would say on most rosters, just because of, again, league structure, how I know my league mates, how I know my own capabilities as an assessor of, of fantasy and an assessor of talent, again, I would almost always opt for running back, wide receiver, quarterback. And Goody, thank you for the fake football talk. Let's turn to some real NFL news. Uh, a player that you and I both have some, some thoughts on, um, Brandon Cooks, moving, taking his talents from the the arm of Drew Brees to the arm of Tom Brady and now to the up-and-comer Jared Goff. Talk to me about how you feel about this particular trade. I think it's interesting in the vein that the, the Rams keep trading draft picks and whatnot for established players, and they definitely have some star-quality type players. I think they like Cooks as a as a deep ball guy, I think that he and Jared Goff share the same agent have been training in the off season. So maybe Goff had said something to, to the Rams brass that, Hey, this guy looks pretty good. I think he, he would fit in well in our offense. And maybe they just thought he was a better, and he's still only 24 years old. Maybe a better option than a kind of an injury prone Sammy Watkins. So I, I, I understand it from the Rams perspective and I, and I like it. For Jared Goff more than anyone else, I as for I still think Cooper Cup gets his. I think Robert Woods is the one who probably suffers the most. But Robert Woods, you know, kind of had a sneaky good season last year. So I, I think if his fantasy price is low, I think there could be arbitrage opportunity there. Um, what do you think about Cooks going from New England to the Rams? I love the consistency of a player that stays in the same system. And we saw him blossom in new Orleans that third season that he was there. He reached his highest yardage total, his highest reception total. Um, and, but over the last three seasons, they've actually all been very similar, right? Like he's, he's over the last three seasons as a full-time starter in the NFL, regardless of whether it was on new Orleans or new England, he's averaged eight touchdowns per season He's been over a thousand yards and within a hundred yards of himself in each one of those seasons. Uh, he's about a seventy yards a game player in each one of those seasons. For me, the question is just: Does he maintain that? If he does, we see a player that, as you point out, has proven to be a superlative talent at twenty-four years old. Has dropped as a twenty-two-year-old, twenty-three-year-old, and twenty-four-year-old some pretty unreasonably good numbers. On, on the NFL, like at 22 years old, I could barely tie my shoes and still leave the house in the morning. I was still like looking around for hot pockets. And so like, I'm really <laughs> impressed with, with what Brandon Cooks has done. I'm really impressed with the mind, the offensive mind that he's going to. 
I'm less impressed with the quarterback, of course, and, and, and that's not a knock on Jared Goff. It's just uh, it's just a commentary on the other two quarterbacks he's had. Yeah, no, I I, under, I understand that, and and you know as a sidebar, Luke just for all our listeners, Luke just jettisoned Brandon Cooks and his four-year extension that he signed last offseason for like about twenty million a season, I think, maybe even more. Um, and he, and he he got he did get a first rounder out of it, and ironically got a first rounder and some change from Bob Cowper, who I would think would never trade a first rounder based on his love of rookies, but he must be, he must believe in um, Cook's talent. And for me, I, I, I would take, you know, in that case, I'd probably take your side of the deal. Um, Luke, basically because I, I think the range of outcomes for Cook and the price that he's at, Cook's and the price that he's at are already approaching his ceiling. So I, I think like Cooks could be wide receiver twelve, he could be wide receiver thirty, and I'm not paying thirty I'm not paying twenty million dollars a year for wide receiver thirty. Well that's that's the hope. I mean I and I don't wish wide receiver thirty on Bob in our league. It's just that when I look at the potential free agent pool in our league, there are players that I'm more comfortable chasing with that twenty million dollars. And uh, and in fairness, I got a, a receiver that I have a little confidence in coming back to me in, in Michael Crabtree at a lower contract, and netted a, a first rounder in in between. And, and we we all know at this time of year those first round picks can potentially turn and move into other players that we have more confidence in. But yeah, I, I mean, I love Brandon Cooks the player. That was a painful trade to make. That was a player that I had invested my four years extension in, and. And Bob did a great job. I mean, he's a good assessor of talent, and he wanted... Mm -hmm. And the reason why I approached him about Brandon Cooks in particular is because he's held tightly to Jared Goff, even through the Goff doldrums at the beginning of... and the Jeff Fisher-induced stupor that was the beginning of his career. And so I knew that Bob saw something in Jared Goff, and when you believe that strongly in a player, of course you're going to want to target their brand new toy, too. And I knew... And knowing my league mate a little bit and knowing the situation, I knew that that's, there would be a potential for a good negotiation between the two of us because we would both seek to give each other fair value. And it wouldn't be a matter of yeah. selling low or selling high on a particular guy. Yeah, I mean, hopefully that trade works out for both of you. I see a scenario where it, where it definitely could. Yep. And so this this man actually you you raised from me like obviously we could speak to jordan matthews we're going to leave him aside for this week leave our listeners wanting uh and and coming back to us for something more we could talk a little jordan matthews the cam meredith news uh is still in limbo as we record he's been signed to a contract uh by the new orleans saints and the bears have a chance to match it do you think the bears match it and where would you like to see him for fantasy purposes well, I'm a little selfish here. I, I don't think the Bears are going to match it. I think that – and maybe it was because the Packers were the ones who, who put the offer sheet out to Kyle Fuller. The Bears matched that, fair, I think, fairly quickly. So what I, I think I saw on Twitter today. They The Bears are running out of time with Cam Meredith. And, and I think that they – so they didn't place any draft pick tender on them. If they, if they don't match, then they're out Cam Meredith. I, I know they – this one, obviously, Allen Robinson was the kind of their centerpiece of their offseason. Trey Burton was another one. I think that Meredith is, is somebody who could produce that offense, but I think they're, they're, the Bears are still holding out hope that Kevin White can be something more than upside. 
And and I think with Meredith in, in tow there, that hope is is kind of gone for White. I, so I I personally would like to see him in New Orleans instead. I think he's a, a very solid wide receiver too in in New Orleans. Kind of uh, I would say maybe like Emmanuel Sanders type stats, may, maybe someone else. But I I I think Meredith is a guy that I mean I think he could produce either in Chicago or. Or in New Orleans, I, I selfishly I have both Allen Robinson and Cam Meredith on on the same team. Cam Meredith on a four-year minimum deal, Allen Robinson on that cheap deal that I've talked about before. I, I think that I could accrue a lot of value if I have those guys separated in different offenses. Um, but I also like the opportunity there for in New Orleans for for Meredith more than some of the other teams he was looking at, like Baltimore or whatnot. What, what do you think about Cam? I don't differ from you too much, and as, as someone who doesn't own him anywhere, I, I can speak a little bit more objectively on this. And I think my question becomes, if we talk about the art of RSO imitating life, given that the numbers coming in, or is that this contract is going to pay him about $5.4 million per year, would you be comfortable paying them, him that on an RSO team if he's on the Bears, if he's on the Saints, or both? Um, on the Bears... I would say probably not. If he's on the Saints, I would I would probably do it. Very good, very good. Well, listen, I think that brings us to a good a good pausing point. Again, this is such a blast to do. We look forward to your questions, your interactions on Twitter. I'm at fantasy doc Oc, D O C O C. This is the All About Reality podcast, and to that end, our favorite question this week came from Brian Ross at Sublime Bry, and he asked us, given the, the customizable nature of Reality Sports Online, what are the most po- popular tweaks to the default format, if any? And we posed this question to our, to our noble leaders. We posed this question to our chief technology officer, and they came back at us with, with this. This is kind of fascinating and surprising, but there's not even a plurality in the league of people using the default options. We have such sophisticated players on the Reality Sports Online site that, frankly, the diversity is overwhelming. They couldn't even point to a substantive tweak that was made because so few people are using the default option. Did that fascinate you too, Matt? It definitely does. In in terms of tweaks, obviously, it seems like no one really uses the default settings or very few do. I mean, I think that's why you migrate to a platform like this. So, so for me, I, I could talk personally about some of the tweaks I've used in some of my leagues. I, I am kind of a PPR guy, not necessarily one for tight ends, giving the, a tight end bonus um, per se, um, as you can tell from our earlier discussion of disdain for the tight end position a little bit. But some of the tweaks that I have in, in one of my leagues are, are really kind of focused on the quarterbacks, thinking the NFL is a passing league, um, if quarterbacks take Negatively, we have negative points allocated for sacks, um, negative, a lot of negative points for interceptions and turnovers, um, both at the quarterback position and elsewhere. So that, for instance, interception or fumble, um, negative five, uh, that's, that's one thing. Points for completions and incompletions. Uh, I, I see that there's, there may be some big play possibility, first downs, um, those type of things that add NFL value, I think I'm, I'm all for if you have the option. And that, that's really just kind of scoring element, and then you have the contract elements as well. Um, what, what are some of your personal thoughts? 
Yeah, I loved when you said to me before that your leagues tend to be a little bit more punitive about plays that actually really hurt an NFL player's value on the field. That strikes me as consistent with my favorite scoring settings, which are ones and modifications like Superflex that serve to make players, frankly, valued much more closely to how NFL franchises value them. So people like me can't wait on quarterback until the and just drop $500,000 contracts on quarterbacks in a super flex league because their value spikes so dramatically. Uh, I tend to avoid leagues at this point that have kickers or uh, DSTs taken as a whole. I just think it's more fun to devote cap resources and do deeper dives into um, offensive depth charts and go after players that can potentially blossom on a, on a league, a contract league format like RSO provides for us. And so um I marvel at the IDP guys. I've never stepped into a league like that um, to this point, but just as far as our listeners go and as far as the, the, the Twitter questions that we're getting, it just seems like a lot of people come in to RSO ready to take those next steps. And, and frankly, it's the platform that provides just such brilliance as far as trying to provide a place that we can all play as, in as sophisticated as fashion as we want to. Yep, it's definitely definitely a bonus on that front. Um, we appreciate we appreciate the question from Sublime Bry. I I think um, that's it that's it for episode three on franchise tags, and I can't wait. Really, I'm sure that you feel the same. Can't wait to pivot to the upcoming NFL draft and, and really getting deep with rookies. Um, I, I think we're gonna have multiple podcasts on that. Some wonderful guests lined up. Um, just kind of teasing that. So hopefully everybody's listening. Um, as for now, enjoy this one. Um, I can be reached to Twitter at MattGoody2. And I'm Luke Patrick. I can be reached at FantasyDocOck. And I totally agree with you, Goody. The guys that we have lined up have already ratcheted this program to, to the next level. And I'm just thrilled to get into, into it with them, into it with you, and, and give our listeners that have overwhelmed me with their support so far some pretty amazing things right off the bat here. We're coming out of the gate strong. All right. Thanks a lot, Luke. Yeah, be well. That's it for episode three of All About Reality.